The sirens were still purring when the four policemen swung hastily from their motorcycles. Their shoving bodies and raucous shouts brought a lane through the curious crowd, and they leaned their shoulders against the press of humans and, holding people back, waited. An imported sedan swished to a halt at the curb, and before the bearded Hindu footman could open his door, a man surged out of the tonneau. There was a purposeful forward thrust to his shoulders. His lean face was drawn by harsh lines. His gray-blue eyes held a searching intentness. They stabbed once to the right, once to the left, and every man and woman in the crowd felt the impact personally. Then he was bounding up the steps of the hospital. The heavy doors shivered at the hurried vehemence of his entry. A grave-faced young man fell into step with him. His manner was diffident. I'm Dr. Morland, Mr. Wentworth, he explained quietly. Commissioner Kirkpatrick had a brief period of consciousness about ten minutes ago. He is in a coma again now, but we may expect— Richard Wentworth cut him short with an impatient wave of his hand as they stepped into the elevator. Yes, yes, I received all those particulars by radio, but has he spoken? Who is suspected? Dr. Morland repeated blankly. Who is suspected? I don't understand. Wentworth's lips twitched. The commissioner of the New York City police, a man noted for his implacable warfare on criminals, is stricken abruptly by a disease which falls into no known category. The only word he has been able to utter during his brief periods of consciousness has been my name. I am also known for my bitter hostility to crime. You are also his friend, sir, Dr. Morland interrupted hesitantly. It is natural that the elevator door opened and Dr. Morland led the way swiftly along the muted hallway of the hospital. Wentworth's lips had grown into a harsher line. Friends? Yes, he and Kirkpatrick were that, as fiercely loyal to each other as brothers should be. But Kirkpatrick had summoned him for no such reason as that. He was not a man to ask friends to console him in illness. There was a deeper motive, a more sinister explanation than that. Why else had a deadly attempt been made on Wentworth's own life the very day after Kirkpatrick had been stricken? Wentworth's eyes briefly surveyed the set, almost stubborn profile of the young doctor striding beside him. In attendance upon Kirkpatrick, the man fell under suspicion. More than that, he was a man to watch with wary eyes. Wentworth had no doubt that the men who had struck at Kirkpatrick were the same who had made that attempt on him. It was unlikely they would quit only after one try. The doctor, Moreland he had called himself, Wentworth remembered, opened a door and stood aside. There was evident resentment in his bearing, a more stubborn outthrust of his jaw. The room he entered was the antechamber of a hospital suite, fitted as a luxurious sitting room. Two women stood at a window across the room, one trim in a nurse's starched white, the other dressed in a severely tailored suit of silk, which failed to mask the sweeping fine lines of her body. The nurse said, You're to go right in, Mr. Wentworth. Dr. Hess and Dr. Higgins are already there. The other woman met his stabbing gaze with veiled eyes. There was no color in her face except the scarlet line of her mouth, which was full but somehow not soft. There was a square line to her jaw that indicated willpower, intelligence showed in the thin bridged nose. She smiled slowly. At Wentworth's elbow, Morland muttered, You've heard of Dr. Magda Hess?